Hour 2 here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. This is our football hour. We're going to be discussing college football, NFL, Ryan Williams of Vandal going to join us. And we're going to talk quarterback races because yesterday we did have two quarterbacks announced as week one starters. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater for the Broncos and the Jaguars announced that their first round pick, their first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, is going to start for them week one. The San Francisco 49ers actually had their quarterback race up on FanDuel, and Jimmy Garoppolo was minus 300. Well, their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, still will not announce a starter. It was between Garoppolo and Trey Lance, the rookie. Garoppolo on FanDuel back on May 18th, minus 320. Lance to start week one, plus 240. Ben, why is Shanahan not announcing a starter yet? Well, it can't really surprise you, right? Kyle Shanahan would not announce what the future was for Jimmy Garoppolo with the San Francisco Giants back when he was asked about his starting or potentially starting quarterback prior to the NFL draft. Instead, he declared he wasn't sure the world would be around. Never forget that when you think Kyle Shanahan might have faith in Jimmy G. I think at a certain point this year, Trey Lance will start. I think he makes that 49ers offense as dynamic as it can possibly be under Kyle Shanahan. Now, that being said, Trey Lance has been really good this preseason. He's had a couple of highlight plays and then looked very consistent later in that game against the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night. Threw a pick but showed some resiliency, leading two touchdown drives and throwing two touchdown passes. So I think at a certain point, the playmaking ability of Trey Lance will overtake Kyle Shanahan and have him play in this system, in this offense. You're seeing here what Trey Lance was able to do in that preseason game against the L.A. Chargers. Efficient later in the resiliency he showed to bounce back from an interception and lead those two scoring drives, I think goes to show the potential of what Trey Lance presents. So it doesn't surprise me Kyle Shanahan has been hesitant to name a starter, but it's always interesting, Ariel, when you talk about quarterback battles, especially for a team like Sam Fran that is as good as we all expect them to be. A team win total of 10 and a half, the favorites at plus 190 to win the NFC West, which might be the toughest division in all of football this year. We're not talking about a team with a team win total projected at six and a half or seven. We're talking about a team expected to win their division and be a contender for the NFC championship. And we are still discussing a quarterback battle this late in training camp in the preseason. It is interesting to see that for a team as good as we expect the San Francisco 49ers to be. Injuries really hurt the 49ers last year. Their tight end George Kittle missed the majority of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo has only played one full healthy season in San Francisco. He was out for a lot last year. Ben, how much would you, or you know what, guess the line. Guess the line for Jimmy Garoppolo when Trey Lance, let's just say because you think Trey Lance is going to start this year. If Trey Lance starts this year, guess the line that it's one because Garoppolo's injured or two because he just gets benched. I think it would actually be just because they want more out of Trey Lance. I think you know what Jimmy Garoppolo presents. And this is not necessarily a knock at him, but Jimmy G has a certain potential of what he can do. I think we're watching some Jimmy Garoppolo highlights here, and you're seeing a little bit of what Jimmy has, but they're shorter passes, and he's more of a game manager type. And I hate using that term for a quarterback at the NFL level. But when that is said, it's more so that Trey Lance has a greater potential to bring this offense along. And Kyle Shanahan is known as an offensive mastermind. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the morning after. The second hour just getting underway discussing the San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the mightier 1090 on the West Coast. It's Ben Stevens in Ariel Epstein. And Ariel, I think at a certain point, 
if Jimmy Garoppolo is just okay and the Niners get out to a little bit of a sluggish start, I would need to dive into their schedule to see what they have the first couple of weeks. I think then the transition to Trey Lance might be there because you have the ability to bring this offense with all the pieces they have under Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, when you look at the outside of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and the pieces they have in place, I think Trey Lance makes this offense the best it can be. I think at a certain point, that is going to win the day. So if I'm guessing a line, if it's injury or if it's just Trey Lance performance and that potential, I would believe with the Trey Lance performance and potential. Looking at the schedule now, the 49ers start the year on the road back-to-back games at Detroit at the Eagles. So easy start to the year despite being on the road and having to travel east and then more east. Ben, those are two easy road games. If Jimmy Garoppolo even loses one of those, I would be concerned. Oh, certainly so. If he loses one of those two games or it's not exactly a stomping at the hands of the Detroit Lions or the Philadelphia Eagles and the Niners are just running through those two teams, again, I think it could lead to the discussion of is there more out there? Is Trey Lance the guy to bring us to where we want to be? Again, the Niners are plus 190 to win the NFC West. They have the second shortest odds to win the NFC Championship. You are talking about a team based on their defense and the pieces around the quarterback position that has high, high hopes for this 2021 NFL season. If that is the case, they need a quarterback that can bring them there. In fact, I think it's the third shortest odds now that Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers, but still a team that is hoping to contend for an NFC title. If that is the case, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a little slow to start, then the focus needs to be on Trey Lance. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, week three, the San Francisco 49ers host the Green Bay Packers. Then San Francisco hosts Seattle. Then they go to Arizona. Then the 49ers get a bye. Really tough three games for the San Francisco 49ers, weeks three, four, and five. By the bye week in week six, Ben, that's when we're really going to know if Trey Lance is going to be starting or not. If this team's undefeated, then I guess they sit Trey Lance. However, if this team's below 500 heading into their bye week, Maybe it's the perfect time to make the transition. Coming up next, we're going to continue the conversation around football and the NFL. Stay here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. If you've been watching along with us here the last few weeks, we've been taking certain markets in the futures market for the NFL and college football. We've been setting them up into match bets. Essentially, even though like this market, for example, we're going to talk about the most sacks in the NFL this year. On FanDuel, you could bet for the player who's going to have the most sacks. Instead of us taking the entire market and figuring out which one is going to have the most, we're just going to take two different leaders of the defensive side of the ball and compare them to each other to see who's going to have the most sacks out of a match bet. First, let's start with Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams going up against the newest Arizona Cardinal, J.J. Watt. Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt are sitting at 6-1 to one to have the most sacks this year. Ben, where would you go in this match bet, Watt or Donald? 
And like Ariel mentioned, although there are no match bet components for these markets on the FanDuel Sportsbook, hopefully from our breakdowns of both of these players in the match bet, you get a good idea of who might have value to bet on in this market if you want to get to the player props for this NFL season. It's a good thing they are both favored to win this market, Ariel, at plus 600. The two sack leaders last year, Aaron Donald led the way at 15 and a half. TJ Watt just half a sack behind him at 15. It's also, when you look at these guys, they have been very reliable. Oh, wait, has, has I messed played. up. I said TJ Watt. You wanted TJ Watt. Ah, see, I messed up yes, the match. Yes, TJ Watt. Okay. JJ's down the board team. a little bit. Yeah. I figured. That's what I was saying. That seems so weird. JJ Watt hasn't had a really good season except for like once in the last three years. So, anyway, that's my bad. Correct me. TJ Watt, not JJ Watt versus Aaron Donald's. Continue. There we go. All right. Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, like I was saying, reliability has been a big thing out of these guys. Aaron Donald has played all but one game so far in his NFL career. TJ Watt has played all 16 games in each of the four seasons he has had at the NFL level. Career high for Aaron Donald was back in 2018. He had 20 and a half sacks. Then two years ago, 12 and a half sacks. So that's right there in the average of the 15 and a half that he had last year in 2020. Last year was T.J. Watt's best year with 15 sacks, but he has been on the up and up every season in the NFL for the past three years. When you look at the increases he has had from 2018 to 2019, it went from 13 to 14 and a half. And now last year, the best he has had, the best he has tallied at 15 sacks. I think that Aaron Donald gets a lot of double teams in the interior of that defensive line, which makes it even that much more freakish and incredible that Aaron Donald is still putting up 15 and a half 20 and a half sacks on seasons coming from the interior rush and having double teams of a center and a guard on him. But when I look at this market and knowing how TJ Watt has continued to grow his game each and every season, he has been a part of that Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front. I think that TJ Watt has a little bit more value in this match bet and maybe as the favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Considering I completely did this match bet wrong and handicapped the wrong Watt brother, I'm going to move into the next one. So your handicap, spot on, Ben. Chase Young of the Washington football team up against Joey Boza. Young is at 12-1. to 1. Boza is at 13-1. to 1. Ben, where would you go in this match bet? This match bet is pulling at my heartstrings. A battle of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Young is plus 1,200, like <laughs> you mentioned, Bosa plus... Yeah, that we have to do it. You have to mention Ohio State at all times. Both guys had seven and a half sacks last year. It's interesting when you look at their odds in this market overall. Chase Young, the fourth shortest. Joey Bosa, the fifth shortest. Where they are in comparison to where they finished. I mentioned both guys had seven and a half sacks. That was tied for 30th most in the NFL last year. So obviously a big expectation for both of these guys heading into 2021. Joey Bosa, though, only had those seven and a half sacks in just 12 games, so a little bit more productive on a game-to-game -game basis than the rookie, Chase Young, in his 16 games. And, of course, Chase Young winning Defensive Rookie of the Year last year in the NFL. But as a rookie, to post seven and a half sacks goes to show what Chase Young is about and where he might be leading to this year. And, again, availability is a very big concern when you look at this market and when you're trying to find some profitability and some value. Joey Bosa has only played a full season twice in his five years in his NFL career. I'm going to go with Chase Young. Maybe it's recency bias, but give me the Ohio State Buckeye that most recently played Big Ten football.
I'm on the same page as you, and hopefully I'm getting the right Bosa brother, right? Young, even though he had seven and a half sacks, he was a lot more consistent last year. Looking at what Bosa did, he did have a three-sack game. However, majority of his sacks were in the first half of the year. In the second half of the season, five of his last six games had no sacks in it. That only other game was that three-sack performance. If I'm talking about a player that's going to give me sacks on a regular basis versus one that just gets hot and cold, I'm going to go with Chase Young being the more consistent defender as opposed to Joey Bosa. Another one, Shaquille Barrett, 16-1, to up against Khalil Mack. That's also 16-1 to to have the most sacks this year. Mack has been, the way I look at him, it's kind of how if someone in media, Ben, I guess I compare it to our lives, it's like if someone in media did a really good job at their last job, decide to take the bigger job because of bigger money, and then they kind of fall off the surface. Like, no one hears about them anymore because they took the big money and they just weren't as dominant and as big as they were at their previous job. And that's how I feel about Khalil Mack. It almost feels as if he goes from being one of the best defensive players in football to not hearing about him for the last couple of years. Shaq Barrett, last uh, in 2020-15 games, eight sacks. Khalil Mack, 2020-16 games, nine sacks. Who would you go with in this match bet? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about Khalil Mack. The best that he has ever done with the Bears was in 2018. He had 12 and a half sacks, and he came on so strong in that huge deal from the Las Vegas Raiders at the time, the Oakland Raiders. But then the NFL adapted, and they really give Khalil Mack a lot of uh, Khalil Mack a lot of double teams on the outside coming from that edge rusher position. He is an absolute freak of nature, but in terms of being a force in the pass rush right now, it has slowed down a little bit for Khalil Mack. It has kind of gone the opposite way for Shaquille Barrett, who has come on so strong now in his two years with Tampa Bay. 19 and a half sacks back in 2019, two years Crazy. ago. That led the NFL. Still 12 sacks last year as compared to Khalil Mack's nine sacks. So Shaquille Barrett has been continuing to improve his game. When you look at Kim- Khalil Mack, the Career high for him was 15 back in 2015 in his second year in the league with the Raiders, but it's gone down from there. 12 and a half in 2018, then down to 10 and a half in 2019, and then nine sacks last year with the Chicago Bears. So I think although they have the same odds here, and Khalil Mack warrants some of that attention, certainly, and can be a game changer, he gets a lot of the attention also from the offensive line. So although the odds are the same at 16 to 1 in this match bet, I think Shaquille Barrett is the easy winner, and I think Shaquille Barrett, Ariel, does present some really good value at 16-1 to in this most sacks market on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah, looking at that 19 and a half sacks just two years ago, crazy. What I did do is I went for these two players to see which offensive lines in 2021 that they're going to be facing that struggled in 2020. The worst 10, uh, the worst 10 offensive lines in football last year, the ones to allow the most sacks per game. So Shaq Barrett this season is going to face the Cowboys, the Eagles, Washington football team, the Giants, and the Jets. When you look to Khalil Mack, he's going to face the Bengals, the Lions twice the Seahawks, and the Giants. Ben, out of those 10 teams that I just listed, who would you be more willing to back? Shaquille Barrett to have more sacks or Khalil Mack based on those five offensive lines each of them are going to face? If you need me to say it again. Shaquille Barrett seems like he has a little bit more depth there and a little bit more of experience across the side, a little bit more variety. I think when you said the Detroit Lions twice, my ears just perked up and looking at Khalil Mack. But I think overall, I still give the edge to Shaq Barrett in this market just because I think how he has performed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, he gets a lot of bad teams in there as well. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, they'll, he'll get Taylor around. Taylor Hurts can Barrett get out of the pocket, thing. though. Maybe. That's true. He definitely That's can. That's the only but difference. Still, Jack Barrett, the yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. But Jack Barrett is a force when it comes around that edge. And I still think with what he has for that Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, you also look at JPP, who is still there, who takes a lot of attention as well. Khalil Mack doesn't necessarily have that Devin on White. the opposite side anymore. Also, Devin White, your guy. So I lean Shaq Barrett in this market. Maybe I just go have some fun with it and put my sack leader as – no, I, it, he's not a sack guy, though. It's a total tackles guy. I need him to lead the league in tackles. Maybe I'll look for that prop. Coming up next, we're going to talk college football. Stay right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out all over social media, especially on Twitter. You can find us at Sports Grid and at Sports Grid TV. If you miss anything from our show, odds are clips are going to be posted there. You can also check for any analysis and best bets of the day. Now we're going to look for discrepancies in the marketplace. In college football, there were certain lines that Ben actually picked up on in the futures market where you could go and see the college football playoff odds, your odds to make the college football playoffs, and also compare it to those conference-winning odds. Now, Ben, which one of these stood out to you the most? Well, I think when you look at the AP preseason top five, that's an interesting area to look. The teams that we expect to be in most contention for the CFP. And again, it needs to be said that we have had the college football playoff format, the final four, for seven years. Out of those 28 potential spots, 20 of them have been occupied by Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Know that if you are going to bet in this market. Know that college football is chalk. Know that college football is the status quo time and again. So when you see these huge conference favorites, maybe you then look to the CFP playoff make-miss odds and find some value there because I think it's an interesting market. First and foremost, I look at Clemson. Minus 900 to win the ACC, minus 650 to make the playoff, the longest odds to make the playoff for the Clemson Tigers. I think a lot of people would look at that and expect it to be Alabama. Alabama is minus 310 to make the college football playoff, yet only minus 160 to win the SEC championship. Yes, they have some tough competition in Georgia, which I'll get to in a moment because I find that the most fascinating, but stronger odds to make the college football playoff than to win your own conference championship. It's almost like the book is saying, even if Alabama doesn't win the SEC, they still have a really good chance as a one or potentially two lost team of making it into the college football playoff. But let's go to Georgia, Alabama's toughest competition in the Southeastern Conference. Georgia is plus 162 to make the college football playoff right now on FanDuel. They are plus 190 to win the SEC championship. But where I think this is very intriguing is when you look at the odds for Georgia to win the SEC East Division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They are minus 450, the same odds Alabama has to win the SEC West. 
So Georgia, minus 450 to win their division in the best conference in college football, and they are plus 190 to win the SEC championship, yet plus 162. So when you compare that to Alabama and their CFP odds as well, minus 310 for Bama, longer odds to make the college football playoff than to win the SEC, plus 162 for Georgia to make the college football playoff, better odds than they have to win the SEC championship. It's almost like the FanDuel Sportsbook is saying that maybe this year we get two teams from the same conference that maybe even if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game or vice versa and things play out throughout the rest of the college football season, we could have not one but two SEC teams in this college football playoff. And that's where I think you read these odds right now and the market discrepancies they present when compared to the conference and divisional odds on FanDuel. The only reason that scares me off Georgia a little bit is these injuries recently. I was going down the list, and there are at least four key players that may even miss week one against Clemson. George Pickens, the wide receiver, likely out from returning off a torn ACL. Dominic Blaylock, another wide receiver, doubtful, second ACL tear in the same knee in his career. Defensive back, Teggy Smith. Doubtful. Minor procedure on his foot early last week. Lastly, the tight end Darnell Washington. Doubtful. Minor procedure on his foot. Then four key players of Georgia likely missing week one against Clemson. If Georgia does in fact lose to Clemson week one, how much would you say that Georgia's odds of making the college football playoff would be shot at that point? I don't know about shot. They would shoot up, though, no doubt about it. They might go up to plus 250, plus 300, something in that ballpark. And I think as Connor O'Gara said, Wait for that week one game against Clemson to play out if you want value on Georgia in the futures market. I don't know how much their odds would move necessarily in the SEC, but you could look at the national championship market or the college football playoff market. You're still getting a good plus money price on UGA right now. I think there's value at plus 162 as compared to winning the SEC because to beat Alabama in a one-game scenario, Georgia has not done that yet. Nick Saban has not lost to a former assistant he has had. Kirby Smart, the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, is a former Nick Saban assistant. If they were to lose to Clemson, it certainly makes their path to the college football playoff that much more difficult. But their SEC schedule is not all that hard. I think they run the table and will get Alabama that first weekend of December in the SEC championship game. And if that game is competitive and other things play out across college football, possibly a two-loss Big Ten or Big 12 team, then Georgia still has the potential to make the college football playoff, as crazy as that sounds. So I still think Georgia has good value, but maybe you want to wait for even a bigger plus money price if you think UGA is going to lose to Clemson week number one. Ariel, I don't know if they lose. I still love that three and a half the dogs have as the underdog for that week one matchup in Charlotte against the Clemson Tigers. Yes, there has been injuries, but two of their three returning leading production wide receivers from last year will play in that game against Clemson. You get JT Daniels and look out for that backfield for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's really the strength of their offense, regardless of what JT Daniels has at his disposal. And Eric Gilbert is another name to know for the Georgia Bulldogs. A transfer from LSU, one of the most highly touted freshmen entering last season. Things did not work out in Baton Rouge. He opted out. He transferred this offseason. Now he's with Georgia. Still some uncertainty exactly the level of production we will see from him early on this year for UGA. But it's a name to know, certainly, that adds value to that Georgia offense.
If you believe Georgia beats Clemson week one, probably jump in now on those college football playoff lines. Plus 162, not much of a difference, just about 30 cents between that and winning the conference. When it comes to making the most college football playoff appearances since the playoff started in 2014, it's tied between Alabama and Clemson with six. Clemson may have lost Trevor Lawrence, their starting quarterback, may have lost their running back, Travis Etienne. However, Ben, what intrigues me the most about Clemson this year is their defense. The last time that Clemson had the best defensive line in college football was 2018, and they won the national title. Coming back this year with the best defensive line projected-wise in football, how much could you see Clemson, and right now minus 650 to win to make the playoff, minus 900 to win the ACC, six straight ACC titles, how successful is Clemson going to be this year? I mean, even if they lose week one to Georgia, I don't think it really deteriorates their chances in any way of making the AC or excuse me, of making the college football playoff because I think they will run the table through the ACC. It does heighten the pressure of doing so. They can't afford to drop a conference game throughout the rest of the year in the Atlantic Coast Conference if they lose week one to Georgia. But still, even with that one loss, especially that early on, if Clemson goes unbeaten the rest of the way, they are going to make the college football playoff. That's why you see them at minus 650 to make the CFP, minus 900 to win the ACC. I expect them to do so once again. Brian Bercy up there on the front for Brett Venables in that Clemson defense. He is as good as they come in the college ranks. Andrew Booth in their secondary, also one of the most stellar cornerbacks you will see at the collegiate level. Clemson's defense should be good. The offense should click under DJ Uyengongulele. I expect big things out of the Clemson Tigers. Even if they lose to Georgia, I still think Clemson makes the playoffs. That's reflected on the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 650. Ohio State, Oklahoma, a little bit of a better price to make the CFP as compared to their college football playoff, uh, to make the CFP as compared to their conference championship odds. I think it's funny in my own brain that I look at Ohio State at minus 192 to make the college football playoff, minus 220 to win the Big Ten, because the only way Ohio State is making the college football playoff is if they win the Big Ten, and yet I still think that minus 192 to make the CFP is slightly better value. It is a better price, but I think they are correlated in that way. I would be much more willing to lay minus 192 on the Buckeyes to make the CFP than I would be at minus 220 to win the Big Ten. Ohio State, the question mark, quarterback, linebacker. They do face Oregon at home, and they'll probably be favored in every game that they have this year. Ben, Ohio State making that switch over from quarterback. How much do you expect this quarterback race, or not even race, but this quarterback, uh, the new quarterback coming in, how much do you expect him to be successful, or are you nervous about it? No, not at all. C.J. Stroud is a stud, although he has not thrown a passing attempt for the Ohio State Buckeyes in his collegiate career. He is that mold of a Justin Fields. He is a dual-threat guy to his core who is going to expand in Ryan Day's offense. He has the best wide receiving core in the country, one of the best offensive lines in the country. I think he will be just fine in Ryan Day's offensive system. Now, Lincoln Riley, another great offensive mind, a man who for the first time last year had to use a quarterback that was not a veteran, not a graduate transfer, but now we get Spencer Rattler back, who's up there as the favorite to win the Heisman. For Oklahoma, three playoff appearances in four years under their head coach, 15 returning starters. Then this team coming in is one of the most experienced teams in football. How big of a switch do you see this Oklahoma Sooners team making from last year to this year? 
I think Oklahoma was ranked number two in the country for a very good reason. That's why you see the odds so similar to make the CFP and to win the Big 12. Minus 164 to make the playoff, minus 170 to win the Big 12 conference because they know that Oklahoma, if they win the Big 12, they make the CFP. But that's their only route to do so. When we talk about the Big 12, Ariel, there's huge discrepancies in some of the conference odds in the longer shots to make the CFP. I mean, look no further than Iowa State, who has the second shortest odds to win the Big 12 at plus 250, but they are plus 610 to make the college football playoff. You could look at Cincinnati, and frankly, it's very sad to look at Cincinnati. Minus 250 to win the American, a group of five conference, but 27 to 1 to win the college football playoff. That goes to show that the group of five has a very difficult path of making the CFP. All these odds, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, pretty, uh, pretty heavy juice to making the college football playoff. However, college football, only four teams in. We'll see which of those four prevail, and we'll talk more about week zero tomorrow. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by FanDuel's Ryan Williams to break down some NFL futures. Stay here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Fandles Ryan Williams to break down some NFL preseason. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me as always, guys. This is week three of the preseason, final week, the finale. Let's get after some of these lines. Ben, I, I see you out there tweeting, man. I see you getting hot. Man, the Saints couldn't do it for you, though, at the end. What's going on there? They couldn't hold off the minus four terrible bad beat ryan it would have been seven and three through my first two ten bets rather in the first two weeks of preseason now more mediocre six and four which is right around the average of what it would mean but i want to finish out preseason week three really well so that i can be strong in preseason if i finish 500 i'm gonna be really defeated but then my focus will be college football so all is good all is well college football coming up too it's funny because you just get these switches. Like there's this one flip that could change your record. And the Saints, you could have had this five and three record. It looks really good. And then six and four, it's still really good, Ben. It's just, oh, it could have been way better. Anyway, we're going to look into the week three preseason games. And Ryan, Jets minus four against Philly is a game that you're targeting. Why are you high on the Jets this week? Yeah, the Jets have just looked really great in preseason. As Zach Wilson has looked like the best quarterback of, of the rookie class, the 2021 rookie class. And really what it comes down is Philly has just struggled mightily. I mean, you're talking about coming off a game in week two where they put up zero points, get absolutely shellacked by the Patriots. The Patriots almost hit the over with the team scoring zero in that game. Just absolutely incredible. So I think the Jets, they, still, they have a lot of young talent on this team. I think they want to get right for week one of the season and they're going to uh i think they're 
not going to start all of their starters, but I think they'll start enough where it does make a difference in here. And Philly hasn't talked about playing their starters at all. I would imagine it. Jalen Hurts, he was supposed to play in that game last minute, gets, goes to the hospital because of the stomach. We were worried about COVID. Um, they haven't said if he's going to play or not. I would imagine they hold these guys out just because of the way preseason has been going, going to week one healthy. So let's take the Jets minus four preseason week three. Another four-point spread in the favor of the Kansas City Chiefs has also caught your eye there, Ryan Williams. Why are you back in KC in their preseason finale against the Vikings? Yeah, this was a line that I just started looking at this morning because of the reports yesterday that Andy Reid was going to let Patrick Mahomes play yet again in this game. And he he talked about last week that they were going to just kind of let him ride it out, get get comfortable with the offensive line. That was their big thing in the Super Bowl and coming into 2021 is they wanted to get that offensive line healthy. They got in all these new guys, Orlando Brown being one of them, and I think they want to get a good rapport with him going on into the season. So I think in last week's game, he played over 30-something snaps um, through through like 17 passes in that game, and Andy Reid kind of alluded to he'd kind of do the same this week. And so if we're getting the Chiefs' first-string offense going out there, um, you you got to like them at, at four. I think that could really uh, move a little bit heading into the weekend. Now, it's amazing because we go from week one of the NFL preseason where unders hit in all but three games to now yeah. week three. And you're targeting an over, Ryan Williams. You like the over in Titans-Bears. Why? Yeah, hey, uh, the overs were they got a hundred percent increase last week. We got six overs, so let's let's ride it out. Let's go with uh, let's go with uh, another one in week three. But yes, I do like the the Bears Titans to go over. I mean, the, the Titans have kind of the backups have been pretty explosive um, when it comes to putting up points here in the preseason. And then we're going to get Justin Fields where they left a lot on the table when he was on the field and, and against Buffalo last week. That was a really that was a really tough game to be at, tough game to watch. But you can oh, yeah, definitely you tell there. that the, I was there. Yep. And it was, uh, yep. you know, Mitchell got his he got applause, didn't get booed and he lit it up. So that was that was something to see. But uh, with Justin Fields being out there, I think he is going to get some some reps with some of the starters um, from the first team. So we definitely love seeing that because he's been playing with the, the second stringers most of this preseason. So I think if they can put up points early in this game, I think you don't have to worry about Tennessee who's getting they're like an implied total of 17 in this game right now. And they've been hitting that over well in the past uh, two weeks of the preseason. So I think if we can at least get them to their implied total, get the bears getting 14 points or so, um, maybe 17, I think we'll definitely hit this. Ryan, some of the bigger news entering preseason week number three from a quarterback perspective is the news out of Cincinnati. At one point, it didn't seem Joe Burrow would have any preseason action. Now he is more than likely to play week number three against the Miami dolphins, but you don't care. Miami minus one. How come? Yeah, and this is going to be fun to see because I think Miami has been in kind of the same boat. Like, they want to get Tua ready. Uh, the starters have been playing both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. And it's just Joe Burrow, even though he is playing out there. Like, if there's any room for failure or any room for him to get hurt, they're pulling him from this game. I think it's just to get him comfortable enough so that he isn't going into week one of the season blind and just going to be getting attacked 
um, all over the field. So um, I don't think we'll see him for that long in this game. And, and the Miami D, the first stringers who are going against Cincy, it's, it's going to be a rough go for Cincy there. I'm definitely fine. The spread just doesn't it's it's not well enough for what uh, I expect we see of Joe Burrow. And so that's why I'm going to go with Miami minus one. I've seen him somewhere minus an, uh, one and a half on the point. So I think we're still getting value on that. Ryan Williams from FanDuel joining us here on the morning after talking week three of NFL preseason. Another game that you're looking at, Denver minus eight and a half versus the Los Angeles Rams. The Broncos just announced their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, is going to start week one. How much does that play a factor into your handicap, knowing who the starting quarterback's going to be? Yeah, well, it, it plays a lot in the sense that I wasn't even thinking – Teddy would necessarily be playing Ariel and, and he is. So that's even better for this. The, the eight and a half line, it definitely makes you feel uncomfortable when you're talking about preseason game, but just look at what the Broncos are doing. I mean, they really are trying to revamp this defense. You can tell that these guys really think that they have a, a chance to compete, whether we believe that or not. I've been on this show talking about I'm taking the Broncos under eight and a half, and I still firmly believe that. But this team is kind of rallying behind Teddy, not only Teddy, but they're rallying behind Drew Locke, too. And so that's one of the things that I look at with preseason is, you know, what are the quarterbacks that the teams are rolling out there? And we know the Rams are McVay does not want to play his starters in preseason. That's just he's never going to budge on that. That's how it's going to be. So you got two starters for the Denver Broncos who can start in the regular season going against these backups here in week three. The eight and a half line is uncomfortable, but I do think that um, we still are okay taking that line considering what the Rams have showed us in preseason with their backups. And Ryan, I still think Drew Locke will have motivation, although Teddy has been named the starter to either prove Vic Fangio wrong or to possibly audition for another NFL team to come get Drew Locke and his services if it is, in fact, Teddy Bridgewater's team in Denver. A question about that game, Ryan, because it caught my eye as well. An eight-and-a-half-point spread in the preseason, if you like that team that is favored to cover, would you then look at the total, which is a little bit smaller at 34, and also lean the over with the thought process being, hey, if the Broncos are going to cover, they're going to put up points. Maybe we take the over as well. Yeah, you you definitely like that, Ben, because you're looking at, what is it, 30, 36 and 33 or 33 and 31, something like that for the Broncos' uh, first two weeks of, of the preseason, which they've probably been the highest scoring team of the preseason. I haven't looked at those numbers, but just knowing those off the top of my head, I can tell you that 60 points is, is going to get it done. Um, so that's... That's where I think we could get a favorable line, especially with it being at 34 and a half. You're only looking for the Rams maybe to put up three or six points and you'd still be able to hit that over. So I definitely think you do want to look at the other side. It's it's hard to trust this Rams offense right now. Just the backups are just and some of the backups are even turning into starters um, or, you know, so it's like, what what are we doing here? Um, it, it is tough when you're looking at these lines and the the unders have just been hitting at such a high rate that you definitely want to be sure when you're attacking that but if you can project the broncos to get 28 points or over that's something that you definitely should be looking at because the money's going to be favorable switching over to another team in la the la chargers are getting five and a half points against the seattle seahawks in their week three preseason game one thing we know we have not seen the chargers starters and their new head coach brandon staley takes the approach that sean McVay does in la with the rams he doesn't play his starters how come you're taking the five and a half points with the chargers against the seahawks 
Yeah, another team that doesn't play their starters as well is, is the Seattle Seahawks, and they've really struggled in this preseason as well. And the backups for the Chargers, while they are actually backups, we're talking about Easton Stick and Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel hasn't looked good, but Easton Stick has actually looked decent through the preseason. He's been really explosive, had some good rapport with some of the second and, and third stream uh, third teams uh players for the wide receiver group so when we're looking at that and i just couldn't believe they're the only team right now who is you're getting plus money for t- for taking the points there um with five and a half so when you're looking at plus 100 on the FanDuel sportsbook to get them five and a half in a game where i think it's not a foregone conclusion that the chargers could win this game outright um i just think taking those points there and getting plus money is just way too favorable uh to pass up Ryan, this week three of the preseason is the finale. It is different than years past when we've had four preseason games. You mentioned a couple of the guys, big name players like Patrick Mahomes or Daniel Jones getting his first preseason action in week number three. Are you surprised by some of the coaching strategies to have their big name players playing in the preseason finale? I think it just depends on the team and what you're looking at. I think it is a little surprising when you're talking about Andy Reid, and I just think it goes back to February earlier this year. You know, they were supposed to be taking the Lombardi home, and they didn't. And so I think they really, you know, are coming in with the chip on their shoulder, as weird as that is to say, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why you're seeing the starters in that game. I think you're seeing, you know, new coaches come in, and they're maybe being a little bit more – conservative when they're running out their guys like Nick Sirianni and Brandon Staley, as Ariel alluded to. But then some of the older guys, you know, if they have like Vic Fangio, he's running out, you know, the starters for Denver because they they're believing in the team. So it really just comes down to the regime. And also just the fact that some of these teams are going to get 10 days, 14 days off before the season again, which we're not used to seeing in this, their last action before the week starts. So I do think that they do want to make sure that these guys get right on some regards. And some of them just want to make sure they go in with a healthy roster and ride it out for the, for the season with the extra game. Only about a minute left, Ryan. Just got news from ESPN's Adam Schefter that the Titans are placing quarterback Ryan Tannehill on the COVID-19 list. Could be out anywhere from five to ten days. One, how does that play a factor in the over for that Titans game? And two, with these quarterbacks or even just any player missing any time in training camp, how much does that affect your handicap of the team maybe even for week one? Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a factor for sure. I, you gotta you gotta look at these things and really be paying attention to the line. Now, with the over for the Titans game, as you're saying, Ariel, we might see line movement down on the over, even from 36 and a half, which would be interesting. I'd still take that because I wasn't expecting Tannehill to be suiting up regardless. And even though it's even though it's breaking news or it's news that we really weren't paying attention to, I still think that might affect it just a little bit, even if we're getting that half a point down. So. I'm still fine with the over. But, yes, you, these are things that we definitely want to monitor going into uh, week one to be able to build viable handicap lines. And this is something that's going to be ever-changing yet again um, with you're talking about the COVID list here. I mean, we have a lot of a lot of players who have been dealing with this, and we're not really sure. But we had a team like Minnesota who we know what their team vaccination rate is, and it's not great compared to the rest of the league. So when you're talking about, you know, the Vikings under on their win totals or what they're going to be able to we do. We do have to get to break, Ryan. Hate to cut you off, but as always, no thank you for coming on with us. Check him out, Ryan Williams at FanDuel. We'll see you next week. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We close out this hour with Guess the Line. Ben, guess the line. Which quarterback of the rookie quarterbacks would be favored to have more wins at the end of the regular season? The Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, or the Jaguars quarterback, Trevor Lawrence? So although I think the Jaguars go under their team win total of six and a half, and I would even say the alternate team win total of four and a half, the Jags actually do have a higher team win total right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook than the New York Jets. Jacksonville at six and a half, New York at six. But I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to say Zach Wilson should be the favorite. Minus 140 to have more wins this year than Trevor Lawrence. Put him at a plus money price of like plus 165. So I'm going to go minus 140 for Zach Wilson to have more wins this year. The New York Jets over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Apparently Jags players not too thrilled with Urban Meyer and maybe how he takes a very invested approach. And this is not college anymore, Urban. Anyway, I don't need to fade Urban Meyer at all costs and continuously remind you of all that. I'll just say, Zach Wilson, minus 140 to have more wins than Trevor Lawrence this year. I like it. Did you see what Zach Wilson did with Corey Davis? Corey Davis and Zach Wilson were connecting on all cylinders in the second preseason game for the Jets. As for Trevor Lawrence, still has to adjust to the league the way Zach Wilson does. However, I haven't seen the same chemistry out of Lawrence with his receivers as I have with Wilson and his. Also, been hearing from a lot of different players on all these different sports talk shows, former NFL players that come on when People ask them, what is it about the transition from a college coach to an NFL coach? All these veterans say it's because they have to learn to speak to you differently. You're not speaking to an 18 to 21 year old. You're speaking to a grown 36 year old man who's a multi bajillionaire. You've got to change your coaching ways in Urban Meyer. We'll see if he can do it. Coming up next, it's hour three, our final hour. We're going to give you our best bets of the day, go through the Major League Baseball board, and we're going to be joined by Mark Zeno to talk more about some college football. Stay here on the grid to our MSG audience. We sign off. Tune into sportsgrid.com to find out which platform we're Winning isn't a mystery. It requires strategy, a plan, and a few hours a week. Listening to us. So stop freaking out. Get the winning edge. Keep it here.